We actually reported out and problem solved every 30 days. But just being honest, we met more than 30 days. Sometimes we met on a weekly basis. And it was not because a meeting was called, but just because we saw there was a need. Everybody became so involved in this work that they wanted to continue to work and tweak our actions to make sure that we were doing what we said we were going to do, which was meet the needs of our students. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Jana Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results, and they're all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Today, we are continuing a new interview series featuring leaders who will present at our upcoming annual leadership conference, What's Right in Education. Last week, I spoke with Superintendent Dr. Bruce Boichers in episode 202, Do What's Right for Students. You can get to know more of our speakers and more about them by viewing our agenda and registering at studereducation.com events. We hope to virtually see you there. This week, I've invited another bold leader who will be joining us at the conference, Dr. Angela Bush, Irwin Middle School principal in Alabama, close to Birmingham who will be presenting about school-based improvement results. Angela received a Bachelor of Arts and Master's degree in English Education from Alabama A&M University, and as a lifelong learner, continued her graduate studies at the University of Montevallo, receiving an Educational Specialist degree in Teacher Leadership. Angela also expanded her scope of knowledge by attending Sanford University, earning an Educational Doctorate degree in 2012. As the principal of Minor Community School for three years, Angela made notable strides to move the school from a low-performing school to a model high-performing school in the district, city, and state. And she has facilitated and presented at conferences locally and statewide. Throughout her 25 years as a professional educator and administrator, her success has been highly attributed to building positive and meaningful relationships within the community. Her life philosophy is, When you value people, you will yield positive results. Angela prides herself on always putting the best interest of students first. I'm just so excited about this interview as Angela talks about work at Irwin Middle School. So it's with great pleasure I welcome Angela to our show today. Really excited for this interview. I was connecting with Angela uh, before the podcast, just just talking about how much her coach, Kathy Oropalo, our coach, has really managed them up in Jefferson County at Irwin Middle School and the great work that they've done. So Angela, just so excited to have you on our show today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be on your show. Sounds good. So let's just start, if you would, Angela, to tell our listeners a little bit about Jefferson County School District and specifically Irwin Middle School and and your community. Jefferson County School District is the second largest school district in the state of Alabama, and we serve roughly about 34,000 students in 57 different schools. And the district's vision can be characterized by the use of best practices and effectively providing for the diverse needs of all learners. And that's because our school district serves a very diverse population. Irwin Middle School specifically, we are located in Centerpoint, Alabama, which is right outside of Birmingham, Alabama. We serve roughly about 660 students, 94% Black, 1% White, 
and about 5% multi-race. And our entire feeder pattern receives free lunch, and that's due to the number of students who are directly certified for food assistance from our state. Our student body is very transient. We have a significant number of our students who live with their grandparents. And on our most recent state report card, which was in 2019, we were at a 68. And this was significant for our school because we actually grew seven points in one school year. And this was actually the most growth for any one school in our school district for that accountability year. Wow, Angela, congratulations on that. Just exceptional and outstanding. And what purposeful work, you know, that you all do in serving the students and their families there. So just congratulations on the, the, the positive movement of results. And I know those results probably, you know, you could, it's a multiplier effect by the impact of what you've had on those, on the families and the students. So thank you for what you do there. I, I want to go back a few minutes, you know, to the disruptions from last year, right? I mean, there were so many disruptions last year, still disruptions going into this year. Right. But as we think about those, why is it important that Irwin Middle School find a way to ensure that learning that learning progress continues despite those disruptions? And, and what did those first conversations between your leadership team sound like? What did you, what did you all talk about during that time? Well, number one, education is the heartbeat of society. So in order for our students to become productive and thriving systems, they must receive an education. And here at Irwin, we're committed to helping our students to achieve success regardless of any obstacle or barrier. Um, As educators, in fact, it's, it's our responsibility to remove barriers and for us to ensure that we provide a level playing field for all of our students. So last year, And this year, it's of great importance that we function as a team with one voice and with one mission. And that's to mainly focus on providing our students with an education. And you you ask me, what did these conversations initially sound like? So I'll, I'll give you a quick snapshot. Okay. Initially, we had to acknowledge the data. We had to acknowledge our environmental circumstances, which our feeder patterns did a point for a large part of last school year, we were considered a red zone. We had to take ownership. We knew that there would be some learning gaps considering the pandemic. During our first conversation, um, we allowed everyone to be transparent and just vent. But we knew in order for us to be a thriving leadership team, we had to establish some team norms. So we established one team norm, and that was For every problem that we discussed, we will work together as a team to come up with a solution. Yeah, gosh. So I love what you said, Angela. I mean, we allowed people to get their frustrations out first so that we could move to solutions, right? And I I, I mean, that, that had to be. Otherwise, if you're just expecting people to move to those solutions quickly, they're going to have <laughs> they're going to have all that inside them. They can't move through that. So I'm um, yeah. really Really, I mean, I'm really kind of neat that you that you did that. So, you know, as you're moving to solutions, I know that you all have um, your improvement team and you've been using improvement cycles to identify students' strengths and challenges. And that's such a significant part of the work that we do with districts. And I think you all are a model there in your school. So can you talk a little bit about that? Okay. first of all, I'll kind of give you an overview of the people on our leadership team. Our improvement leadership team, it consists of myself, the principal, our two assistant principals. We have two instructional coaches. We have an interventionist. We included two counselors and two classroom teachers. 
our assistant director of federal programs, Blake Frazier, he was a part of this team, and our student coach, Kathleen Oropalo. As a team, we identified two success indicators, and we titled those our leading measures for this work. And we primarily focused on those, which was student attendance and learning progressions, academic achievement. These two learning measures are indicators of graduation readiness and post-secondary readiness across all school groups, all student groups. So when we were considering attendance, we wanted to identify students who may or may not have been achieving a minimal attendance rate of 90%. And this 90% was just strictly for the pandemic year. Under a normal circumstance for a regular accountability year, we would be focusing on 95% or higher. Gotcha. For our learning progressions, uh, we were primarily just tracking the percent of students who were maintaining a B or better average. But we were also taking into consideration the assignment completion, which was a huge issue during that pandemic. We used those leading measures to uh, provide us with a means to actually track our student success on a daily, weekly, monthly, and a quarterly basis. We also used a scorecard, and this was very helpful for our leadership team, and especially as we were getting established. We needed to define what success was, we had to set goals, and we wanted to align our work with not only our school, but also our district's values. We devised this scorecard so that we could monitor our actions and something very important, we wanted to celebrate those early and small wins and make adjustments when needed. We also utilize this scorecard to cascade communication across the school to all of our faculty and staff. So everybody was kept abreast of what was going on throughout this entire work. We also knew that we needed to establish some conditions, just norms, conditions for this work. So we focused mainly on three things. And the first one was accountability. We asked everybody on the leadership team to take ownership and sponsor actions with the intention of shared leadership. The second was reliability. We were very intentional in building trust through transparent conversations and utilizing our scorecard and our leader action plan. And the most important thing was consistency. Everybody on the leadership team wanted to make sure that we were being consistent as a team and individually. We met regularly and we followed a consistent agenda. And this allowed us to execute consistently. We actually reported out and problem solved every 30 days. But just being honest, we met more than 30 days. Sometimes we met on a weekly basis. And it was not because a meeting was called, but just because we saw there was a need. Everybody became so involved in this work that they wanted to continue to work and tweak our actions to make sure that we were doing what we said we were going to do, which was meet the needs of our students. Picture perfect, Angela. I just, you know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking I have, I, I'm so excited about this podcast because it will be shared with so many people that I connect with because it's just picture perfect in what you're doing um, with your team. I mean, it really is. It's just, it's exciting. You know, and you talked about some lead measures that you were tracking, talked about your scorecard, you know, as you were dashboarding those measures and expectations, were there any other measures that you, that you looked at or were those pretty much the core measures? The core measures were those two, student attendance and those learning progressions, which was academic. When you were talking about that, Angela, I just read uh, an article the other day that said just those are the the two measures that you're using are really the best lead indicators that help, you know, predict student success. 
I don't know if you found this as well, but sometimes people like may like they may have like 20 measures that they're trying to track, but they don't know how to how to manage to that. So I think really good. Um, the other thing Kathy has mentioned to us, Angela, she's worked with you all, is that you had some recovery packets that you do to help students catch up. Can you talk a little bit about those? As we talked about earlier, there were a lot of disruptions last year, but we had to find a way to ensure the learning progress of our students despite these disruptions. So again, our focus were those two leading measures, student attendance and learning progressions. After we collectively reviewed our data, we knew that we had to remove barriers. I mean, that's just point blank what we had to do. We had to engage our students, and it was of the utmost importance that we involved our parents regardless to these disruptions. With utilizing those leader action plans and the scorecard, we saw some barriers, and there were some things that were hindering the progress of our leading measures, which was student attendance and learning progression. So we kind of met as a team, and these were those times we met more so than a 30 in a 60, 90 day cycle. We decided, okay, we got to get our students log. We have to have our students logging on. Our students were remoting in, but they were not remoting in online consistently. And our parents were struggling to help those students. We created a Google doc and we shared this with our teachers throughout the building. And this Google doc was created primarily so that we could track the students who were physically absent or did not log into class at least two consecutive days or three days for the entire week. This doc was shared with all teachers and our leadership team. We had a counselor specifically, Dr. Foster. He would track that weekly and he would make home visits. Our improvement team and our leadership team, and we also utilized grade level teachers. They created grade level and standards-based work packets that the students could complete at home with their parents. Our district provided hotspots, but we still had a large number of parents that felt more comfortable assisting their children with the work packets. They needed something in hand, a hard copy. Our packets were delivered to the home of those particular students on a weekly basis by our counselor, Dr. Foster, and our school resource officer. Our school resource officers, they were key to helping us implement this work throughout the school year. And as we began the process, we initially gave out about 146 packets. By the the end of that fourth nine weeks, I mean, we were only at a need for about 70 packets. So we had really gotten those parents and students involved. That's great, Angela. So the other thing I love about what you all did in that improvement cycle, regardless of what you're focusing on, what recovery packets are really looking at, student attendance, et cetera, you're constantly, you're not saying, hey, we're going to continue with the same thing over and over again, but we're lo- you're looking at if something's not working or we need to adjust. So for example, what they need, hand, they need paper packets, right? You know, y- that you all were willing to adjust and to put out that effort through those adjustments and constantly looking for ways. What strikes me here, Angela, is you all truly had those families and students primary on your mind. That's who you were there to serve. I'm definitely proud of our faculty because everyone took on a leader's mindset. I mean, it extended beyond our leadership team. It it went across the entire faculty and staff. 
Yeah. And I find if we provide great leadership like you do, our faculty are going to come with us, Angela, right? I mean, they want to do the right things and help students and families. That's why yeah, they're doing so. Right. I mean, that leadership is so, so significant. So let's shift a little bit in the last couple of questions, just to, okay. you know, just to you. I mean, in terms of um, obviously the stellar work that you've done in the school, you know, as a, as just an excellent leader as a print, a great principal, what experience have challenged you most as a principal and what have you taken away from those experiences? Okay. So I would say an enormous challenge was engaging the parents. However, last year, as we navigated through the pandemic, biggest challenge was not only engaging our parents, but also engaging our students who were on remote learning. Uh, With work with our student coach, our school leadership team, we were able to put some practices in place that not only engaged our students, but it also involved our parents. And as I, I talked about earlier, the home visits and those recovery packets were so successful that we plan to continue this process this year as we continue to navigate through these unprecedented times. So good. I mean, yeah. So it, it's like we were kind of forced to learn and we have a best practice now, Angela, right? That's great. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. When we were looking at our leading measures at the end of last school year and just kind of looking at all of the data, we noticed that there was a decrease in student absences, sixth grade by 40 percent for our seventh grade students by 57 percent and with our eighth grade students by 67 percent. With our learning progressions, we just simply kept a record of the number of A's, B's, C's and D's and F's for each nine weeks. And when we looked at our data at the end of the four weeks, we saw that we had increased the number of A's by 3%. There was an increase in the number of B's by 19%. There was an increase in the number of C's by 2%. But something that we were very proud of is that we were able to decrease the number of F's and decrease the number of student incomplete assignments by 51%. Oh. That's incredible. So if somebody asked us, does good leadership, does it do improvement cycles and engaging the teachers in that process make a difference? You've just shown with those core results, how, what a difference that makes. So again, just congratulations to you and your faculty and staff. Tremendous, tremendous work, model work, Angela. So as we close today, you'll be part of our What's Right in Education conference. And it's really our theme this year, Angela, is bold leadership because you have to be bold to do the things that you've done at your school. Could you talk about a characteristic of bold leaders like yourself and why that characteristic is so important for leaders today? As a leader, it's important to me that I am credible in my walk and my talk. And it's even more so important that I'm intentional in building the leadership capacity in others. And that's so that we all hold ourselves accountable along the way. And and that's merely because closing the academic achievement gap is a process. And throughout this entire work, we've learned that our teachers, they want to collaborate. They want to work as a team to move our students forward. Our students are capable. Our data indicates that they are continuously growing and they want to attend school. Our data also indicates that our parents want to be involved. So as a leader, I am going to make sure that our team, that we continue to cultivate relationships with our students, our teachers, and parents so that everyone involved is informed, so that we all want to take ownership in this process of closing the academic achievement gap. You know, Angela, I've I've been doing these podcasts for a couple of years now, and I can honestly say, I mean, I am 
as I'm sitting here, I, I feel really emotional about what you're doing. And gosh, we need what you're doing with your school and your leadership. We need that in every school, Angela. I can't say thank you enough for what you do, the seriousness that you take your job and your work, the connection you have with your families and your students and your faculty, just your growth, continued growth as a leader and being one of those model leaders out there. It is so significant and so important for the work that we continue to do in our society and our community. So thank you so much for being with us today. I am so appreciative of you. Thank you. I appreciate it. But I must say, I I appreciate, you know, all of the accolades and the praise, but it was a complete team and group effort. So I'm, I'm extremely thankful for our leadership team at the school and the teachers because everybody, they've been on board, you know, throughout this entire uh, time, everybody's been on board. That's great. And them, I know they're thankful to have you and, you know, leadership is important. So thank you for being that great leader for us. Appreciate you being on our show today. Thank you, Angela. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Wow. You know, what a great connection and great learnings from Angela. You know, one of the biggest problems we're trying to solve throughout our country is really looking at schools that are addressing high need students and working with families and students to give them the best. And I think what you heard today was a leader who is a bold leader, leading a team of leaders, faculty and staff to do just that. I can't say enough positive things about the work that's being done at Irwin Middle School. It is true, truly a textbook model of how you provide the greatest support and concern and care to students and families. Angela, again, so appreciate you and your faculty and staff at Irwin Middle School. Again, Angela is going to be with us at What's Right in Education. So to learn more about our virtual events and What's Right in Education and our leader roundtables, please visit studereducation.com slash events. As always, I thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. You know, leave us a review, connect with us. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great week.